Hey, good morning, church. It's good to see you guys today. Well, kind of. Now, I'm here, and I'll explain more of that in just a second. Hey, listen, I want to answer some questions about what's happening in Houston. A lot of you asking, what can we give to? How can we get involved? What can we do? We as Southern Baptists already have a ministry in place called Disaster Relief. Disaster Relief for the SBC is is a worldwide ministry, a nationwide ministry. Every state uh, of the SBC has a disaster relief organization. We are second really only to the Red Cross. And the Red Cross goes nowhere in the world, goes nowhere in the United States without coordinating and working with disaster relief. So praise God, we have a ministry in place to give to and to join when a disaster like uh, Hurricane Harvey happens. So if you go to our website and click on Pray for Houston, uh, you'll see there a way to donate and uh, to give to the work that is going on there. Now, as far as getting involved, yes, we're gonna be looking at some trips. I do wanna say to go into a zone like that in the next couple of months, you actually have to be certified. You have to be trained. That That's not our standard, that's a national standard. And uh, the SBC and DR or, or Disaster Relief is going to be putting some of those uh, trainings on here in the real near future. You can contact Wes Rose, our missions pastor, and he'll get you in, in contact with that if that's something you're going to want to do. And, and here again, the good news is a lot of people in our church are already trained in DR and are going to be ready to go. So yes, we are going to be looking at what we as a church can do, both in giving and in going right to where the, the, the challenge and the ministry is. So be praying about that. I hope you will give to that. Now, where am I actually today since I'm coming to you by video. I'm over at uh, at our Midlothian campus. You might remember earlier in the summer, I told you very quickly we came across an opportunity to, to get a building. And uh, we got the keys to that building this Friday, and it is nowhere near ready to worship in. But we're having a service there today so that the, chair, the, the campus there has a chance to kind of see a before and after. And, and I'm there just hopefully praying over that and kind of casting a little vision about what can be and what can happen and uh, just getting excited with that campus over there as we begin to have a building in the Midlothian community. Now here's the interesting thing, whether I was over there doing that today or not, what we're doing today was already the plan. And that's kind of bringing you uh, along in our Next Generation Ministries. Jerry Witt, our Next Generation Pastor, is gonna be sharing a little bit about that uh, as we're here at the start of school. I believe little more impacts a home than the start of school and the school year. The, the issues, the questions, the calendar. Uh, we can call January 1st the beginning of the year all we want. For most homes, it's the school year that shapes a year. And our church, our next generation ministries wanna come alongside you and help this be the best year yet. Help it be a year in which you as a family and your, in, in which your children are grow stronger in the Lord than they've ever been. So Jerry's going to come just in a moment and share a little bit about that. But before he does, I want you to watch this and see where all Next Generation Ministries were just this past summer.
morning. How you doing? Hey, uh, like Randy said, I'll be speaking this morning, so I'm super excited about that. I'm glad to be here this morning. I hope you guys got your exercise in with the worship time, right? You guys feel loose and ready to hear stuff? I am. Hey, uh, one of the cool things about being a Next Generation pastor, I got to be part of everything that went on this summer in Next Generation ministry. So from the Ukraine to youth camp to children's camp to BBS, I had a busy summer, but it was awesome, and I loved doing it. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve our church in that capacity. Hey, this morning, uh, I'm going to share with you a little bit about passing on a legacy to your kids. So with that in mind, I'm going to read something for you about a guy named Reverend John Smith. And let me uh, pull this up for you. John Smith in his own words. I was born one of 13 children, August 8th, 1829 in Randolph County, now Barber County. I was born the second time in Gilmer County, now Calhoun County in October 1846. I was baptized by Reverend John Bennett into the Fellowship of Bethel Church, 2nd, 7th of October, 1850. I was married to Lydia Stump, February 27th, 1851. I was licensed to preach by said church, August 16th, 1851. I preached my first sermon the last Sunday in August, 1851, the answer to a call of Flat Forks Church, Canal County, now Roan County. I was ordained uh, July 18th. 1854, uh, by the following presbyteries, uh, John Bennett, John Wifter, Josiah Hinman, J.A. Wright. Since receiving license to preach, I have preached 8,028 sermons. I have baptized since ordination nearly 1,000 persons. I have, ma- I have married over 300 couples. I have assisted in ordination of 29 ministers. I have pastored at 29 churches. Uh, the credit for what I have accomplished is due to the grace and, prov- and providence of God and the help of one of the best wives which has ever been granted a gospel minister who's still with me, uh, although in her 78th year. Uh, After meeting all my responsibilities, making my sacrifices, and sustaining all my losses, the poorhouse has not seen sight of me yet. I have tried to be liberal, and I have found that I have shoveled out, the Lord shoveled in, and that the shovel is larger than mine. Reverend John Smith. The reason I read that for you is that John Smith was my great, great, great grandfather. Pretty awesome, right? Uh, And, you know, one thing we're sharing about having a legacy, you wouldn't think a decision that someone like him made 150, 200 years ago has affected my family so profoundly, but it has. Not only he was a pastor, his sons were pastors, and their sons and sons were pastors, and then I'm so. Decisions that John made 150 years ago have affected me profoundly today without me even knowing about it. Uh, I didn't realize he was even my grandfather, great-great-grandfather, until I did some research a few years ago. And so it's really cool to see that. But the reason I share that with you is because I'm always reminded myself of what legacy am I leaving my children you know, I always wonder, like probably many of us, I mean, what are your children going to look like when they get older, what are they going to do, are they going to have a heart for God, uh, you know, they're going to be funny, uh, reserved, whatever. But I'm always wondering what my children are going to look like. But the thing I wonder the most about is this. Man, am I going to be faithful in passing on a legacy of faith to my children? Are they going to love God like I love God, and hopefully and prayerfully even more than I, I love the Lord? And so I pray for that daily for them. And so as a parent, I'm continuing to remind, what is the legacy I'm passing on? What am I doing now, today, to pass on uh, my faith to the next generation? Because if I do it right and correctly, uh, not only will I pass it on to my next generation, my children, but hopefully and prayerfully, they'll pass it on to their children, Right? And so I'm always reminded, what am I doing to pass on that legacy? And so as a family, you can have the very best intentions uh, to pass it on your faith to your children. But without a plan in the home, I'm telling you from working with families and students for so many years, it doesn't work. 
You can bring to church every Sunday you want to bring them to and come every Wednesday night if they're super committed to the church. And if that's your only plan to raise your kids and in the sight of the Lord, man, it's not going to work because the church is not supposed to raise your kids spiritually, are they? It's the family's responsibility to do that. Now, hopefully the church comes alongside you, encourages and equips you. Matter of fact, the definition of the church in Scripture is that we equip the, we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And you, as a parent, as a grandparent, you're a saint, right? We're supposed to equip you for the work of the ministry. But no way is it ever said in Scripture that we're supposed to take place of that spiritual equipping. That is the parents, that's the grandparents, that's the family's responsibility. And so the reason I'm sharing that with you is because if you don't pass on your faith to the next generation, no matter what kind of intentions you have by bringing them to church, if you don't have a plan in the home, I'm telling you, it's not going to work. And so as you enter this school year uh, this year, I want to encourage you to start thinking about what is our, our plan in our family to pass on a legacy of faith. Because I want to tell, share a story today in the Scripture by a guy who was committed to the Lord but failed to have a plan to pass on his faith to the next generation and what happened. And so I want you guys to turn your Bibles right now to Psalms uh, 51, verses 10 through 17, okay? Psalms 51, verses 10 through 17. Psalm 51, verses 10 through 17. You'll have it up on the screen for you. This is the Psalm of David, okay? We all know who probably David is, King David. He was the king of Israel, uh, had a heart for the Lord, and this is one of the Psalms that he wrote, kind of reflects that heart for the Lord. So I want to read that for you this morning. Here it is. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are uh, God, my Savior, and tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Do not delight in sacrifices or I would bring them. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. And so as you read that psalm, you can kind of see David's heart for the Lord, right? And I want you to connect a word to David today. Man, David was committed, committed to God. Man, he was committed to loving God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. Matter of fact, the scripture says David was a man from God's own heart. Uh, now, David wasn't perfect. We know that. I mean, he had a lot of sins in his life, but, I mean, he had a heart for the God. And he confessed, and he was upright with his faith in the Lord. So David had a heart for the things of God. Uh, he called sin, sin. He didn't make excuses for it. And we make a lot of excuses for sin now, they don't we? You know, us, okay, it's a culture. They understand the Bible's different. Time. But he called sin, sin. He had a heart for the things of the Lord. Uh, he, uh, he, prayed, he pleased God, it tells us the Scripture. And David sought answers from God. And one of David's greatest passions in life, out of his heart of worship for the Lord, out of his love for, love, love, his love for God, one of his desires was to build a temple for the people to worship God in. So without question, David was committed to God and his walk with him, right? But here's where David failed at, and you kind of read his descendants a little bit. Even much as David loved the Lord and was committed to that relationship with Christ, he failed to pass on his faith to the next generation. And we're going to read about his next son, Solomon, here in one moment. So if you guys turn to 1 Kings chapter 11, we'll read about his son Solomon, where David's heart was committed to the Lord. We're going to see where Solomon's heart was somewhat compromised when it came to that so 1 Kings 
chapter 11, verses 9 through 11. It's up on the screen here for you as well. Let me read this. The Lord uh, became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant, my decrees, which I command you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. And so we see this, that next generation of Christ follower, of, of, of someone who's following God. We have David who was committed, and then we have him that David didn't have a, really a plan in place to pass on his faith to the next generation in the home, even though he loved God personally, and he probably took Solomon to the, the temple and stuff, but he didn't have a plan for him to pass it on. And the next generation, you see where Solomon has, the word you connect to him, he had a, he had a compromising faith because David didn't fully pass it on. Well, Solomon made half-hearted attempts to follow God. Uh, He compromised and made excuses for sin in his own life. Uh, He didn't consistently seek out God or his counsel, and he was more concerned with what people thought than what God thought. And then where David, his father's passion was to build a temple for people to worship God Almighty, Solomon's passion was to build himself a palace, right? Build himself a palace. So just in one generation, you kind of see that faith Slipping away a little bit, can't you? That legacy hasn't been passed on like we'd like to see be passed on. And so then we have our next generation. What do you think is going to happen there? Where we have David was committed, they had a compromise. Then we have this third generation, which is David's grandson. What kind of faith do you think he had? Because David forgot to pass it on. Solomon didn't do a good job passing on. Then came the third generation. So turn in your Bible to 1 Kings 12, 6 through 8. Okay, 1 Kings 12 verses 6 through 8. I'm reading about the next generation, a guy named Rehoboam uh, was Solomon's son who tucked the kingdom after, tucked over the kingdom after Solomon uh, passed away. So 1 Kings 12, 6 through 8. King Rehoboam asked the elders for advice. They, uh, they served his father Solomon while he was still living. Rehoboam uh, asked them, what advice can you give me? How should I answer these, prof- answer these people? They replied, S- uh, serve them today. Give them what they ask for. Then they will always serve you. But Rehoboam didn't accept the advice the elders gave him. Instead, he asked for advice from the young men. They had grown up with him and were now serving him. We'll stop right there. As you connect David, the guy who had committed to the Lord, and you had Solomon who compromised. I guess the best word to explain Rehoboam was he was in conflict with the things of the Lord. Matter of fact, you read anything about Rehoboam in Scripture, you don't see him seeking out God anywhere, asking questions of the Lord whatsoever. He didn't follow God, it appears, from what we're given in Scripture. He didn't consider listening to God as a priority in his life, and he rejected wise counsel. He did what pleased God and, and did what pleased himself and not God or others. And his desire where was not only to, to build, where David's desire was to build a temple and Solomon's desire was to build a palace, Rehoboam's desire was for power and he wanted to build an empire. And so you can see just in a short, you guess that time period in Scripture, it's just 80 years, you know, from David to Rehoboam and how far in 80 years how that legacy has been washed away of faith in her family. So if you know anything about Rehoboam's life, you know this, during Rehoboam's reign, the king of Israel was split in two, 
to the two kingdoms, Judea and Israel, and ultimately weaken uh, the Jewish nation to the point where you guys read history, we know what happens, right? Uh, genocide has happened in the Jewish nation through the thousands of years here where their nation's almost utterly been destroyed and just barely kept apart together, just a remnant. All goes back to David who had committed to the Lord, who didn't pass on his faith to Solomon, Solomon who didn't pass it on to Rehoboam. And so as you read the story and you understand the importance of your legacy, what you're passing on, I want this to kind of be a warning for us, right? Here's what could happen if we're not intentional in our homes. So two lessons I think we learn uh, from David's story. If you don't have a plan in your home to pass on your faith to your children or the next generation, you'll have little faith or no faith whatsoever. Once again, if you don't have a plan in your home, and a plan in your home is not bringing them to church. I mean, that's a plan, but that's not the best plan. That's a good plan. We like you to be here. We want you to be here. But the plan needs to be in your home. If you just bring in the church only and you don't have a plan in your home to pass on your faith to the next generation, and you have little to no faith in your following generation, your children. And then you're going to pass on no faith whatsoever. And the second thing you learn is this. A legacy of faith is only a generation away from disappearing in your family. Only a generation away. Just one, your kids a generation away from leaving it in your family. And so as we kind of move forward today, I want you to understand how important what you do in your home is with your children. The home is where faith foundation is built, and what we can accomplish in the home is far superior than what we can do for your children in the church. Now, we love your children. We want to teach your children. We want to partner with parents. But what you can do in the home is far superior what we can do in the church in raising your kids and the love for the Lord. And we want to equip you and help you do that. We want to partner with you. But once again, the spiritual formation of your children, if they're going to follow God or walk God, that's on parents and grandparents and families. It happens outside the church. You guys get that? It happens outside the church is where it happens. And the, that's the reason why our next generation, we, next generation ministry desires so much to partner with parents in the home. The reason we have a, a vibrant uh, preschool ministry, children's ministry, and youth ministry is to better equip parents and give them another avenue for their kids to learn about the faith other than the home. But we want the home to be the primary place. But our church comes alongside you in these different areas to give you, parents, another avenue to teach your kids about the faith and equip your families uh, to leave an effective ministry, a legacy of faith to your kids. And so with that understanding, I want us to understand what we're thinking about. And so with that understanding of the church's role in your family, it's a foundation for understanding our, our five family values that we want to pass on uh, we encourage you uh, this year as the school year starts, as a parent, as a grandparent, and even as a family of the church family itself, five family, family things we want to pass on to you, uh, values to your children. So we're going to help you this year a little bit as you start the school year off. And here are some five values that we think are very important, are very key if you're going to pass on your faith to the next generation. And so here's the very first family value we think is really important. Imagine the end in mind. Imagine the end in mind. And here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when your son and daughter are young and when they're in your home, so what do you want them to look like when they become adults? What do you want them to look like when they become adults? You want them to have people of character, people of faith, and what are you doing in your home right now to make that a priority in your home? Uh, focus your family's priorities on what matters most in your home. So what are you doing imagining the end in mind and how we kind of help you with that in the church is this, and we remind you that early on, if you have, take your son or daughter here and they're dedicated to our church, it's really, a, actually it's probably a 
two-day event, but uh, you take a class before you do that. And one of the questions we ask you in the class before you dedicate your son or daughter is this, hey, we want you to start thinking right now what you want your son and daughter to look like when they become an adult. What characteristics, what kind of faith do you want them to have right now? And I want you to write that down. So we have parents write that down. And then when they write it down, we have a, a family night celebration on Saturday before our Sunday baby dedication. And all the families come together. We have a celebration. We bring friends and family around us. Uh, we eat and we hang out. But one of the things we ask parents to do, share what you wrote down about your son or daughter. What do you want them to look like when they get older? Share that with us. So, what, so each table stands up and they share, here's what we want our son and daughter to look like when they get older. So we, we help you in the church once again, meaning try to equip you early on to imagine the end in mind. See, we live in a culture that is so easily sidetracks us, what really matters most. I think we get so consumed sometimes of passing on a maybe a, a inheritance to our kids that we fail to pass on a legacy of faith to our kids. We want to give them the best advantages of everything in the world because we're worried about their inheritance, but sometimes we're not careful. We forget about that legacy of faith we want to pass on. And hopefully if you're here on a Sunday morning, a legacy of faith is important to you, isn't it? It's a priority to you. If I looked at your family's calendar, would it reflect that? Is that a priority in your home? So imagine the end of mind. What I give to your children or what you don't give to your children is not as important as the faith legacy you leave them. And so I want you to think about this school year as you go back into uh, beginning school on Tuesday. Man, what are we going to do in our family maybe this year differently that's going to make leaving a faith, faith legacy a priority in our home? How are we going to maybe reprioritize some things we do in our family to make that a priority for us. Because it's really easy for it not to be, isn't it? We get busy, we get stuff going on, and before, no, before we know it, man, a legacy of faith seems to take a back seat. I heard an illustration this week I'm going to share with you. You may have heard it before, but there's an interesting twist at the end of it that helps you think about priorities maybe a little differently. Uh, there's a story about this uh, a professor who brings out this uh, big jar of gigantic rocks, had five rocks, and the five rocks filled the jar. They were big, solid rocks. And he asked the class, he said, How, is this jar full? And everyone looked at the jar and said, yeah, the jar is absolutely full. And he says, okay. And he reaches down to his table, and he pulls out these little small rocks, little pebbles, right? And he starts pouring those in the jar, and they start filling up around the jar, around the big rocks, and it fills the jar up all the way to the top. And then he asked the class, is the jar full? And the class goes, oh, yeah, it's definitely full now. I mean, the little rocks, the big rocks are definitely full now. And so then he reaches under his desk, and he pulls out a bottle of sand. And he starts pouring sand into the jar, and it fills it up with sand. And then he asks the class, again, is the jar full? And I said, yeah, the jar is full. And believe it or not, he reaches under his desk one more time, and he pulls out a bottle of water, and he starts pouring that into the jar. And he fills the jar with water. And now he asks the class once again, is the jar full? And the class says, yes, it's definitely full. So he lays the jar on and the desk and says, what's the lesson we can learn from that? And the class gives all kinds of different answers. And you can always ruin and do a little bit more stuff. You've got to rethink things, how you think of things sometimes. And Professor, what I wanted you to learn is this, that if the five big rocks didn't go in there first, the five priorities, you wouldn't have room for them. And so when you think about your family's priorities this year, at least those five rocks are in there first, or your priorities are in there first, you're not going to have room for them, are you? And so a challenge for us this school year, man, is we're matching the end in mind. What are our priorities? And we have to fit those into our life first before we put all this other stuff inside of it, okay? And so number two family value we want you to talk about this year and think about as going to the school year is fighting for the heart 
of your children, fighting for their heart. If you want to pass on a legacy of faith, it has to be done in a relational context, uh, in a hallmark of a of a great relationship, a lot of different hallmarks, but one of the biggest, most important things that in every great relationship you're going to see is that the people in that relationship, they value one another. They value one another. There's a love there. There's a value for what they think and who they are. You value one another. And so one way you fight for the heart this year is that you value those relationships you have in your life. See, for me and my kids sometimes, even with my wife sometimes, I can be so committed to winning the argument that I lose the heart. I don't know if you guys were there or not, but I've been there a lot sometimes, right? I'm so committed to winning my argument that I kind of damage or hurt or lose the heart, and I don't want to do that because the hallmark of a good relationship, I'm going to pass around a faith legacy, is that, man, they have to have uh, an avenue where I value that person there. So here are some ideas uh, how you can show value uh, to your, your, parents, your kids, uh, your grandkids this year, so you can fight for their heart and be able to pass on a legacy of faith. Uh, tell your kids often you love them, regardless of the circumstances they are in, right? Tell them often you love them. You know, a lot of times it's really easy for me at night because kind of the routine in my house that our, our girls, they, they get showers, they get cleaned up, they get in the pajamas, they sit on the couch with me, we eat some popcorn together, we're hugging one another, it's a really cool scene, and we leak each other, we love you, I love you too, Daddy, it's great, it's awesome. But you know what? When I get mad at them and I get angry with them, I still love them, but the words that come out of my mouth very much, I love you. You know, I'm more concerned about arguing with them, yelling at them sometimes, right? And so they need to know that I love them regardless of the circumstances, right? If they're sitting on the couch snuggling with me, I love you. And if you get in trouble, I still love you. They need to hear that often from me. I love you. So if you're going to value the relation, they need to hear those words come from your mouth. Um, number two here is give your children positive feedback about their future. Give them positive feedback about their future because the Bible says he knows the plans he has for us, right? The plans that prosper us. So give them positive feedback about the future, especially when things at present aren't going great. Give them positive feedback, especially when things aren't going great, because there's going to be times during the school year where things aren't going great for your kids or maybe for your family. But we need to speak truth into their life and start writing a new story for them that, hey, this is not the story, man. This is just one small little bump in it. Man, we have a great future ahead of us because God promised us we have great plans for us, Right? Uh, another thing, as you kind of talk about fighting for the heart, is this, man. Have a sense of humor when the kind of the wheels fall off in your home, right? Laugh at things. Enjoy life with one another. Have a sense of humor. And that's kind of my role in my family. Is when things kind of get really crazy at my house, man, I'm always the first guy to laugh about it and joke about it, right? So as you do that, I mean, you're kind of winning your kids' hearts a little bit. You're making light of some stuff that sometimes not easy to make light of. And here's the last thing, and I, just, and I did this yesterday with my kids, and I try to do it often. Uh, I brag to my children all the time about how I get the privilege to be their dad. I'm so excited to be your dad. I'm so thrilled that God gave me you. So let them know as you're raising your children, if you're a grandparent or you're a parent, man, brag about the privilege. It is a privilege, Right? that you get to be the, the grandparent, the mom and dad of, of the next generation, man. I love that, that God entrusted me with that, and I take that very seriously. But I tell my kids, and I brag about them, man, thank you. Man. I'm so thankful that God allowed me to do that. So as you do those things, guess what happens? You start winning the hearts of your kids, don't you? And when you win the hearts of your kids, you're in a position to relationally pass on your faith to the next generation. And here's something I've learned as a parent. My ability to win the hearts of my kids in the right way is directly tied to my ability uh, to love God in the right way. 
So if I'm not walking with the Lord, man, it's really hard for me to win my kids' hearts over or my wife's heart over or anyone's heart over. So my ability to win the hearts of my kids over in the right way is directly tied to my ability to love God in the right way. And so a family value talked about fighting for the heart and this year, and I, I pray for some of the suggestions will help you out here. Number three is this. Uh, create a rhythm in your family. Create a rhythm in your family. When we're talking about rhythm, we're talking about time and routine. You know, time and routine, what you do normally in your house. Because, you know, a rhythm in your family uh, actually shapes your family's values. You know that? What you do week in, week out, day in, day out, that actually shapes your family's values. And it starts telling your family, your kids, your grandkids, here's what's important to us. And so creating a rhythm in your family is so super important because it's a great tool to pass on your faith to the next generation. If you're following Christ and you value that relationship uh, with your kids and and you kind of add time and consistency with that, man, that is a great tool for you to pass on your faith to the next generation because as your kids spend time with you, they're going to start understanding what's important to you. Right? And if your faith's important to you, you're going to be able to pass that on in a more organic way than, than tell them you have to believe this, you have to do this. But they see it in my life on a regular basis in a rhythm of our life, how we routine our routine, our family is. Our kids start getting that. This is important. This is a priority for our family because your time shapes your priorities in your family. Okay? So here are some ideas uh, how to um, create a rhythm in your family here. Uh, up, on our, up on our table in our... Um, in our youth department, in our children's department, and in our preschool department, we have a thing called uh, our DIY family resource table. And our family resource table has what we said it is. It's a resource table for families for each different age group. So on that resource table, we have a, a resource called Creating a New uh, Back-to-School Rhythm for You for high schoolers, uh, middle schoolers, elementary, and preschool. I'll give you some ideas uh, what some of the things are on the sheets of paper are. And I'll give you another encouragement to go by those tables regularly and pick up stuff. Uh, we have them out there for parents and not for me to look at. It's for parents to actually look at and read. But we have some helpful tools on it for each, uh, for each generation. So you can pick these up today. They're out here. So let me go to high school give you one suggestion to have about creating a rhythm in your high, school, high schooler's life. Establish a routine that fosters community inside the walls of your home. Uh, choose one night a week that is non-negotiable family night, where it's, uh, whether it's dinner at a local restaurant uh, baking everyone's favorite cookie, a nightly walk, a uh, board game. Create a, a protective touch point for your family that occurs regularly. So high school, a suggestion for high school. Middle school. Middle school is a phase that's all about hanging out with friends. You'll spend lots of time in the car driving them to the next friend's function. You may even feel like a chauffeur. Choose one drive a day and take advantage of that time by turning off the radio, tablets, and devices and ask questions. Keep it lighthearted. What's hot? What's not? Uh, what was the best thing that happened today? The worst thing? How to create a rhythm in your middle schooler's life. Uh, elementary, another idea for elementary. Send your children to school feeling affirmed. Uh, say a short prayer over them as they leave so they know that God is on their side throughout the day. Make it a practice of writing and sending notes of encouragement in your children's lunchbox or backpack so they also remind you that you are on their side as well. And even for preschoolers, think of this. Uh, make yourself a new drive time count. During the trips to and from your children's events or activities, point out interesting or unique landmarks along the way and sing uh, preschool Bible songs together. On your way home, you can both share one high and one low of your day. Give your children words to help them express how these events made them feel that day. 
uh, just some helpful ideas and talking about the music. Uh, if you guys don't, I don't know if you have it or not, if you're a parent or a grandparent, it's great for you. We have a thing called a Parent Q app that you download on your phone, and it tells you everything that your son and daughters are learning in our church each and every week. And in the preschool section of that, and also the elementary school section of that, uh, it actually has the songs they're singing. Uh, each and every Sunday. And so you can actually pl- plug this in your car and sing the songs along with them. But you get the idea of creating a rhythm in your family because your rhythm actually shapes your family's values. And it's a way for you to pass on your faith to the next generation to have a legacy of faith. So we talked about imagine the end in mind, fighting for their heart, creating a rhythm. And here's the fourth one. This is one that I think is probably most personal to us because it involves us more than it does our kids. It's make it personal. Make it personal. Put yourself first when it comes to personal growth. Uh, when it comes to character and faith and your kids are watching us in a way they may not watch us in any other capacity of our life. When it comes to spiritual and character formations, uh, your journey impacts them deeply. Um, and if you want it to be in them, you want your faith to be in them, it has to be in you. And so your children need to see you make some uh, growth a priority in your life, uh, emotional, spiritual uh, growth and relational growth this year. What can you do this year to kind of grow as a parent, as an individual? They need to see that happening in your life, and I have some suggestions for you, okay, um, how you can make this happen and that I try to do on a regular basis, and I encourage others to do as well. Uh, consider if you don't make personal growth a priority for you, it may never be a priority for your kids either, so it has to be in you first, okay? So here are some ideas. Um, in the car, listen to podcasts are, uh, on areas you want to grow in. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with podcasts. Most of us probably are, but there's all kinds of self-help stuff on podcasts, so from sermons to leadership to emotional and relational. But I'm listening to those things all the time in my car. I live 10 minutes away from the church, uh, 10 minutes drive home and 10 minutes back, so I got a 20-minute commute both ways. Every day, man, I have a podcast in my car I'm listening to to help me kind of grow and get better at who I am, who God's called me to be. And it's funny because I'm doing it for myself, but also I want my kids to see that. But when my kids hear me listen to podcasts, you know what they say? You listen to old man stuff, Daddy. You listen to old man things. When do old people do that, you know? But I want them to know, man, I'm growing spiritually and emotionally, and that's one way that I can do it on a regular basis. It doesn't take any more time out of my day. I'm going to be in that car 10 minutes regardless, right? And so all the ideas we're giving you, we understand that we have a, a really shrink-wrapped time for our time. We have that much time to do stuff. So everything we're trying to suggest to you, this stuff you can do already in a normal rhythm of your life uh, that you can add to it and, and maybe make the most of the time that you're already using. And so I listen to podcasts. Uh, sign up uh, and read our Parent Q email. If you're a parent and our, parent, our preschool children youth department, we send out a weekly email to you telling you about what your sons and daughters are learning, uh, how you can engage them in that conversation this week at your home. We have like a, usually a blog in there from a, uh, for some kind of parent help blog and also an, an article too about parenting, how to be a better parent with you. And here I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell on you. Some of you guys get it already. A lot of us get it already. And guess what? We, not a lot of people read it. And guess how I know? Because I can open it up and I can look who's read it or not. <gasps> yeah, I know who's reads it. I look at it on a weekly basis. Who's opened it up this week? Who's reading it? Who's not? And I think the lowest percentage we had a few months back was 17% that people read it who we sent it out to. I mean, I think that's sinful, to tell you the truth, because we are working really hard to try to equip you, and all you have to do is click a button and read something, right? And so, man, open those up. Take advantage of that. Uh, that avenue to, to help you out. It's a really great tool. Uh, develop existent daily time with the Lord is another idea. 
I mean, we want our kids to have a devotional life and prayer life. We've got to have one too. And I said from my own personal experience, if I do this, if I'm, I'm going to pray or spend time with the Lord day, and I say I'm going to do it sometime today, I never do it. So that's why I make an appointment with the Lord each and every day. Man, each and every day in the morning, at 9 o'clock in the morning, my, that's my time with the Lord, that nothing's going to bother me during that time. That's my appointment time. That's when I'm going to meet with the Lord. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. But I make an appointment. So if you want your kids to have a, a prayer life, devotional life, you have to have one too. Um, have faith-based conversation with your, your family often. And a lot of times I think we miss those opportunities to kind of bring our faith into normal conversation. So look for those, pray for those opportunities, and then take advantage of them when they show up. Uh, another last thing here is get involved in a life group at our church or a DU class uh, at our church. Uh, look for some Christ-centered accountability in your life. So those are all things that we can do to uh, make it personal for you and for I this year to grow in our relationship with Christ. So our kids will see that and we'll be better parents, better families, and a better church. Um, if you're part of a church, man, you need to be part of a life group class. That is the lifeblood of our church. And that is how you build community in our church. That's how you grow in your walk with it in our church as well. And it gives you a wider community to bring into your own lives to help you out. So, I mean, get involved with some of those things. So here is the fifth family value. We imagine in the mind, we fight for the heart, we create a rhythm, we make it personal. And the fourth, fifth one is this, widening the circle in your kid's life. Widening the circle. And that's what this means. Pursue adult mentoring relationships outside your home for your children. Find other caring adults who, who will invest in your kid's life outside of you. And that's a, a thing we would encourage you to do this year uh, as you start the school year. Look for those opportunities. Uh, parents need uh, to pursue a strategic relationship for their children so another adult voice will be speaking into your son and daughter's life, saying the same things you would say if your kids would listen to you. Because there's a time your kids ain't going to listen to you, right? And you're going to tell them, you ever had this experience before? You tell your son or daughter something, and they don't listen to you, but they go to the next-door neighbor or someone else, and they say the exact same thing, and that person's brilliant, right? They are so smart. And that's why it's so important to have those people in your life. You'd say the same thing in your kid's life that you would say if your kids would listen to you at that time. And I believe there's no better place to find mentors for your sons and daughters right here in the church right here in the family of God. We have a bunch of volunteers in our Next Generation Ministry who love your family, who love your kids. Those are great avenues to reach out and pray for people who can mentor your sons or daughters. So when you widen the circle, the goal is to have other trusted adults in the lives of your children before they need them, because when they do need them, they are there. You get that? You, want to know, you don't want that one. Here's what happens a lot of times for me. I've uh, mentored a lot of students and had some involvement in some families over the years as well. A lot of times they call me in after it's already kind of late, right? They got in trouble. They're messed up. Things are going hard. This, this guy needs to be mentored, right? They need to be mentored now, so please help them out. And you're really putting me or people like us at a disadvantage because, I mean, we're in a crisis right now, right? And so the, the ideal thing is that before that crisis happens, already have people in your kids' lives who invest in them. So when that crisis does happen, there's a relationship already there that you can leverage in your son and daughter's life. So have those people involved in your life, not just when a crisis happens, before crises do happen, because they will happen in your family's life. It's going to happen. We're going to have a time there's going to be crisis in our life, and we're going to need other people that breathe life into our families. So... 
I'll give you a great example how this idea works. Last Sunday, and this Sunday is promotion Sunday when our classes all promote to the next grade. And um, between preschool and elementary is a big transitional time when they go into our children's department. And there's a fifth grader going into our middle school department as a sixth grader, and there's a transitional time to happen. So this year we decided that we would do like a, a parent kind of. Um, Q&A time uh, for those different departments and kind of pass that on. So we sat through all those things last week and did that. I sat through um, a transition period before uh, from children to youth department, and it was really cool. The parents came up, the kids came up, the rising sixth graders came in the department, sat down, Will got up and spoke to the kids about here's what our youth department is, here's what we're doing this year, it's really cool. Angela shared with the kids about, you know, how excited she was that they were moving up and how she loved the best in their lives, and that was super cool. But for me, the coolest thing happened is that we had our fifth grade teachers who had been with those kids at least a year, sometimes more, got to share with those kids about what they thought about them, how much they cared for them. Uh, and how they were passing them on to that next grade. And what was so cool about it is that they started doing that, they started getting emotional and crying and being upset about it because they love your kids. They love your family. And so take advantage of those opportunities to find mentors in your home and in your church that are invested in the life of your kids. I guarantee you, you will not regret it. We do. We love your family. We love your kids. And we want the very best one. We want you to pass on a legacy of faith. We want to come alongside you as a next generation ministry and equip you to be the best you possibly can be. So our desire next year in the ministry is to partner with parents in the home to help parents parent beyond your capacity. That's what we want to do. We want to help you parent beyond your capacity by connecting family to a wider community of the local church. And so, are you guys on board this year? Man, will you join us? Can we partner with you in our next generation ministry? Man, we love you. We, we can't wait to this year ahead of us. I know Tuesday is a big day. It changes everything in your family. But this year, may you have a fresh start. We start all over. No matter where you've been uh, previous year, this year you get an opportunity to start over because God's a God of fresh starts, Right? Right? Okay, thank you guys very much. Yeah, I got a couple announcements for you uh, that our pastor told me I had to give to you before he got back here. So let me do those for you. I don't want to forget these things because they're very important. Um, first thing, as we kind of close up here, we do know Wednesday programming begins at our church this year. Uh, this Wednesday starts afresh again. So Awana, the youth life groups all begin this year. It's this Wednesday night, first of the year, DU begins up. Uh, Awana registration happens uh, can happen right now. Actually, this uh, today after you leave here, you walk out here. There's a want registration. You want to register your kids? You can. You can do that online in your home as well. We encourage you to do that because you wait till Wednesday to do it. I guarantee it's going to be a lot of traffic, a lot of crowds. Going to be very fun. So we really want to push you to uh, registering your sons and daughters online for Wanda this year. Uh, we have a new ministry kicking off in our church called American Heritage Girls. That's uh, a Christian version of the, the Girl Scouts, and it's right out here as well. They will meet on Thursday nights. But if you're interested in American Heritage Girls for your daughter, which is an awesome ministry, uh, and please check that table out and talk to them. Uh, once again, we're talking about equipping families to partner family. One of the ways that we do that is that we also want to come alongside marriages and help our marriages be the best they possibly can be. And one thing that we do uh, during the year to do that, we do a Married People Night Out event, and it's four times a year. It's a fun event we do at the church. We find child care for you. But it's just a night out for 
for married people to come and just enjoy fellowship with one another, do some learning, have some fun, win some prizes. Uh, we want to breathe life into your marriage and equip you to do that. That happens September 16th, and so you can register for that online as well. So I encourage you to be part of our married people ministry. And also the last thing I'll say here is that uh, President Trump uh, asked that today would be a day of prayer. Uh, for the, the victims in Texas for the flooding. So I encourage you as a family, as you leave here today and get home, to make that time of prayer in your family, praying for those people in Texas as we can join together as the, a faith family in our, in our country and pray for um, those people in Texas who are going through the flood and recovering right now. And so with that said, as I'll give it to Ronnie here. He has a few things he wants to share. Thank you guys very much uh, for sharing with me this morning. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate it very much. That's good stuff. Uh, I, it's my privilege uh, this morning to introduce to you a, a new uh, staff team member, uh, pastor that we called uh, a couple months ago, and today is his first day. So Eric and Anna, come on up if you would. And uh, yeah, give him a hand. That'd be great. <clears throat> and so uh, many of you may already know Eric, but uh, Eric and Anna, they were uh, longtime members here at the church and uh, served in many uh, capacities as life group, uh, teachers and leaders also, uh, as, as a, as a deacon, but, uh, felt called to the ministry. And so quit a job with home, home depot management uh, team and, uh, went to seminary, then felt called to go and serve as a family pastor at a church in Cleveland, Ohio. And so that's where they've been the last four years and serving the Lord faithfully. But, just very uniquely gifted to to come alongside us and do some things that we we really feel like is important. And so uh, Eric is our new uh, associate education pastor, and he's going to be spending the bulk of his time uh, actually working in the areas that Jerry was just talking about, actually working with the adult leaders that are serving in our children and youth ministries. So doing some developing and doing some training uh, with them to help them be the best they can so you can widen your circle with your children and doing those things. So we just want to raise the level of our leadership and those who are volunteering, we want to, to give you our best in, in preparing you and training you to do that. So that's why Eric and Anna are here with us. So this is their first Sunday here. Give them a hand and you know, good warm welcome. So uh, we're, we're very grateful that they are here. Um, and so I'm going to lead us in a prayer for uh, for. Hurricane Harvey uh, and the victims there in Houston, as uh, Jerry had just mentioned, uh, and they're going to slip out, and they're going to be out there in the center of the concourse, and I hope that you'll stop by and say hi to them and introduce yourself to them. So thank you, Eric. Thank you, Anna. Great to see you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, this morning uh, with, with a heaviness on our hearts for so many people that have been displaced and that are suffering, that have lost uh, so much. They've lost everything they owned, and uh, they're without homes, without a place to be and or a place to go, and they are very fearful, and they have a lot of anxiousness, and uh, Lord, nowhere to turn. God, I pray first of all that uh, they will turn to you, and uh, they will look to you for their peace and for, for their answers, and I pray, God, that you would uh, uh be a source of strength to them and comfort them during this time. But, Lord, I also pray that you would raise up an army of believers, Lord, all from across this country, and Christians would would, would rise to the occasion and that we would not only give, 
of uh, the abundance that you've given us and be able to give to to those efforts to to help them but also that uh, that over the next year two years three years however long it takes god that we would see people from all across the country christians going and helping and getting in the dirt and getting in there helping them rebuild their lives and having an impact in that in that community so lord i pray that that they will be amazed by the cause of Christ and how our love is shown and demonstrated in that area. But in the meantime, Lord, we certainly pray, God, for their well-being, the welfare, and that, uh, Lord, you would sustain them during this time. We also pray about the other hurricane, Hurricane Irma, that uh, looks like it may be bearing down on on the East Coast. Uh, and, uh, Lord, would that possible? We pray that you just turn it away. God, that you would, uh, you would help it dissipate and that you turn away and that we would not see any, any damage or death as a result of that. Again, Lord, we love you. We're thankful for bringing us here to be a part of this family of believers where family becomes friends. And God, where friends become family. And God, that you would, uh, use us in our community and where we are now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.